Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On episode 23 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, Adam and Jeremiah are talking about West Ham's impressive win over Newcastle with their youngsters shining. We touch on the latest questions in the West Ham world and preview the upcoming Cardiff City match. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. Uh, We are here for episode 23. It's myself and this time Jeremiah, uh, myself being Adam, Jeremiah being Jeremiah. Uh, It's been a little little over a month since we've had you on the show here. So uh, how are things in your West Ham universe out there in Colorado? Man, things are good. I'm glad to to be back. It has been been over a month, just crazy, crazy work and crazy timing. But uh, anytime we get a chance to get on here and talk about West Ham, especially right now, where we're in, you know, pretty good form and things are seeming to ride high. Hopefully, I don't jinx that. I'm knocking on some something, but uh, but yeah, life's good, man. How are you? That's good. I'm I'm good too. I mean, the weekend started off on the right foot. We might as well jump right in with that. I always hate when uh, when West Ham lose, and it's like, oh well, for us over in the the new part of the world, uh, that game was on at 10 a.m. I believe. Mm-hmm. No, it was it was a 12. It was 12 o'clock game. So it was on at 12. <clears throat> on Saturday, so basically my entire weekend lied in front of me, and I'm very happy that uh, it was a positive, uh, a positive note. So West Ham end up beating Newcastle two 0 at the London Stadium. Of course, uh, we had the Billy Bond stand opening. Uh, did you watch the game live? I did. did yeah. You, did it you was, get to uh, see any of the ceremony beforehand? A little bit. Um, it was kind of in and out. I was watching it on the uh, NBC Sports app. And, um, so it kind of saw a little bit in and out. They didn't show everything. Um, but I, I was actually, I went to YouTube and looked it up and kind of, they had, there was a whole ceremony on there, but it looks really cool. It was a really, I think it was a really awesome ceremony. Really awesome for, for somebody of that caliber. And it's, it's, it's due time for him too. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, uh, I too, there was only a little bit of the actual, uh, ceremony shown, but myself, uh, being from Toronto, the main, the two main uh, providers for English Premier League football are TSN, which is an ESPN affiliate, and Sportsnet. And mm. uh, Sportsnet had this one, and actual, actually, their uh, one of their analysts is Craig Forrest, former West Ham keeper, Canadian. Yeah, um, yeah. And he may not be um, <laughs> the most—I don't want to say lively, but over-the-top energetic guy. But he knows and uh, and likes to interject with West Ham facts and trivia and he had some some kind things to say about billy bond so it was kind of cool to see um the sort of influence even all the way over here in canada if, even if it is in little pockets it's kind of cool to see that i uh i was happy i got to see some of it anyways yeah is he, is he kind of like your uh your your west ham canadian legend kind of up there i think he, i think he would have to be i mean the other one would be uh oh man i just saw him he's please playing on uh uh, uh, he's playing on the MLS side, Vancouver Whitecaps, left back. Uh, yes, he, he's Canadian, uh, so everyone was really excited about him. But um, 
His name, Daniel Henry. Uh, yes. He scored, actually, in, in Vancouver's opening game. So I, oh, wow. I I watched the first half, and he got skinned like 13 times by Minnesota. So it wasn't the best uh, look for him. But he ended up getting on the score sheet, so that's all right. Okay. Um, but I think, yeah, Craig Forrest would have to be the biggest Canadian, as far as I know. Um, yeah, a good keeper, I think. He was, uh, yeah, he was all he right. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, okay, let's jump into Newcastle. Uh, heading into the match, I think we were fairly confident of what West Ham was able to do, especially after they played a strong midweek match against uh, Manchester City. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm fighting a cold here. But uh, Newcastle was coming off of some pretty impressive form themselves, and they had uh, not dropped points. Sorry, they, have, they had not at least taken a point in any away game against non-top six teams, which is a pretty specific stat. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were coming to London Stadium, obviously. But... Um, yeah, they, they were looking good. I think they'd won two games in a row. Uh, their homegrown midfield talent, Sean Longstaff, had scored recently, had the Newcastle fans, um, I think, appropriately very excited about the potential uh, of their actual homegrown player there. So there was a lot of things going in the right direction for Newcastle. How did you feel going into it? Where, where was your head at? I was uh, I was nervous because it is Newcastle, and even though we, we played them well earlier this season, away from home there was kind of a recipe for disaster almost with everything going on with the billy bond stand and and just everything like that that was kind of happening and going on Mm -hmm. to me in my mind i was like this is gonna be you know it's a recipe for something bad to happen but uh maybe that's just a negative west ham fan of me coming (laughs) out but but no i i thought it was fantastic and and um yeah we came out of the gate early which was uh somewhat surprising Uh, and sometimes it seemed like we sit on our hands for a while but uh yeah, I thought it was a fantastic start, and and yeah, uh, to answer your question, yeah, I was definitely nervous at the beginning, but quickly after what eight nine minutes, that changed. So uh, seven to be exact. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a Robert Snodgrass uh, whipped in corner, and you know what, Snodgrass for being a player who isn't the fastest, isn't the best dribbler, isn't the best shooter, you know what I mean? Like he's just sort of one of those uh, adequate. He he's he's maybe the biggest heart on your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he puts effort forward that tends to make the difference for him. Uh, but for someone who, like I said, doesn't have that elite skill set, he is so talented at whipping in corner kicks and putting them in dangerous areas. Uh, no one's perfect, of course, but he, he whipped in that ball for Declan Rice. And it just, if you watch the behind the net cam on it, it crested right over top of uh, two Newcastle defenders and ended up right on Declan's head. And he did right this time to head it down into the bottom corner. What were your thoughts on uh, on, on Declan's second Premier League goal of the season? Oh, it was fantastic. I was uh, I was running around the living room and uh, my kids thought <laughs> I was crazy. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, man, it, it was. It was a perfect cross. And, you know, Robert Snodgrass, he has a kind of funky little like wind up to kicking it too, right? He gets all like leaned into it. Yeah, he's kind of like hunched it's, forward. Uh, and... Yeah, but man, it works. And it's, it is a beautiful, he does have a beautiful cross in. And even on the corners, it looks really good too. But uh but but yeah no it was a good goal it was you're right he kind of he went with it the right way this time kind of hitting it down instead of uh, going up and over but um, yeah no it was it was beautiful meant to be it was everything about that goal was like funny and perfect right because he scores it he's shushing the Newcastle fans Longstaff's oh. behind him like you can see perfect pictures for it and that picture was his, unbelievable his little uh, I don't even want to know I don't even want to I don't even know what well, kind of shoulder bounce and the shoulder <laughs> bounce yeah. That was pretty funny too. You can just see the genuine joy in his face of like he just he's just loving every moment of it right now. Yeah, post match they put out a video of uh, of him in training the week before bouncing his shoulders around when he's when he did something, <laughs> yeah. and uh, now they're saying he called the shot. But 
uh, another video that that came out after the game. He was sort of walking around clapping, and he looked up at the screen, and they were showing the highlights, and he watched his own goal again, and he did like a compact fist bump at his hip, like yes, like uh, he knew, like he knew exactly <laughs> what he was doing, and he had said uh, after the game when he got his man of the match trophy from Sky Sports, he said, "I missed a sitter uh, when I when we were playing Liverpool, and I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure I didn't make that same mistake again," which. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, remember? I don't know if you remember last season. He got criticism, uh, and and from De- uh, from David Moyes as well, got criticism for missing an opportunity. Uh, I think he let the ball go instead of heading it when Joe Hart mm-hmm. called to him, and the, it ended up as a goal against. It may have been against Newcastle, by the way. And uh, everyone's like, "Oh, like don't harp on him, don't harp on him." But when he takes the or when he makes a mistake, which are few and far between these days, he tends to take them, hold on to them and learn from them, which is really exciting to see, especially from a young player like him. And I don't think you or I can say enough good things about this kid right now. No, totally not. And uh, it, you're right. Even last year when it came up, there was a lot of criticism right away, and, and you saw him fix it. Um, and when he was 18, 19 then, and, and it's just it's incredible to see somebody at that young of an age just be that mature and just focused on what he's doing, but have a love for it, like a genuine, absolute love and passion for what he's doing. And I think, it, I think it's super awesome. Yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible to see. And, uh, as far as the rest of the game goes, um, I don't even want to say that it was quote unquote, a good game. West Ham really dominated this game as far as pace was concerned. And, um, we'll talk about the, the goal for, for Mark Noble here first. Um, yet again, we see, we see, Javier Hernandez, Chicharito, getting into a dangerous area, creating a chance, and this time drawing a penalty that Noble converted, uh, very Julian Dick style, smashing into the top corner of the net. But right. uh, Chicharito seems to be playing himself into a into a spot here by being a fox in the box, by getting to the ball. And this time it was a looped uh, free kick from, I think Snodgrass was off with an injury at this point in time, getting, getting fixed up. So it was uh, Fredericks who held up the ball for... Felipe Anderson, and he floated it back post perfectly, and, and the rest is, is history. What do you make of that that free kick there, and as well the the finish from Noble from the penalty spot? No, I thought it was it was set up well, and I've seen a lot of hear criticism because you know we're West Ham and people like to criticize, but I've seen and heard some criticism about oh we only scored from you know that and from the penalty, and the rest of the game was boring. And I mean it was kind of a at some points a boring game, but I think we dominated for the majority of it. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I think that. Um, it was a well, uh, well placed free kick, and Chicharito, he's uh, he's dangerous on my heart um, <laughs> because uh, I I enjoy him a lot. I love watching him play, but at the same time, when he's not, you know, I'll be one of the first people to tell you when he hasn't played well. I've been one of the first to criticize him, but uh, he really has kind of come into form lately. And uh, I know there's a couple a couple articles coming out that have had different things on him from Green Street Hammers, and uh, I think. I was just really impressed with how he's played that, how he's played in the last couple of games, honestly, how he's kind of stepped up. But There's yeah, one tomorrow that was, that's coming was, out. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but, no, I definitely think it was a penalty. Um, you know, we got his foot stepped on and tripped him and, and whatever else. And, yeah, what a just what a bang in from uh, from Noble. And uh, I, I wondered after, right after that when he was kind of running off celebrating and, and uh, Snodgrass came over to him and they were kind of laughing about something like maybe they'd planned that, like, you know, over practice or something. Obviously not planning having the penalty, but planning where he was going to place it. Uh, it looked like Snodgrass was saying, like, I told you so, or like, you you did it, or like, you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. actually like did it. Because usually he, he tends to stick to the bottom corners and tends yeah. to await the keeper, put it in the other side, and, and there you go. But this time, it uh, didn't matter where the keeper dove on that one. It was pretty no. uh, remarkably sent. 
it's cool to see um, the the players are just enjoying it right now. You can tr- you can truly see uh, all of you know the young, the old, the guys that have been there for just this year, the guys that have been there for a while. They all look like they're having fun. They all look like they're just really enjoying um, enjoying playing right now, and that's it's such a joy to see, especially with one year ago. Like I think this past week or maybe this week coming up was when all the Burnley stuff happened. Mm-hmm. There was the pitch invasions, and you know Trevor Brookings crying and, or looking look, looked like he was crying in the stands, and it was just yeah, not not a good time a year ago compared to now. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty important contrast to make, and and something that's really interesting when it comes to the team quote unquote having more fun. I don't think you see anyone having more fun out on the training pitch than you do with uh, with Mark Noble, but I think having a younger core on the team with Declan Rice, with Ryan Fredericks, Issa Diop. Even Mikel Antonio, he's, I think, 28 now, but he um, sort of has that youthful exuberance about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see a lot of... Um you see a lot of like camaraderie and like brotherhood almost of them messing around with each other. Earlier in the season, we saw Antonio uh, filled Marko Arnautovic's car with something or wrapped it with wrapping paper yeah, or something. Like yeah. that's the kind of thing you want to see. It's as corny as it sounds. Um, it just means that things are you know, there's a gelling with the team. And and you know when they went out for uh, for dinner on that last night in Spain, Felipe Anderson mm-hmm. and Fabian Balbuena arm in arm singing bubbles to the to all the English guys on the team, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just like you said. There tends to be a lot of uh, videos and pictures coming out that show that the team and the players having fun, and that's something they haven't really been able to do in recent years because they've been underperforming. But it's it's really, I don't know, assuring to see that the team sort of taken that positive step forward. But let's get back to Newcastle. Um, mm-hmm. The rest of the game here, uh, Newcastle only put two shots on net. I think I remember both of them. Both were uh, not really threatening. The most threatening chances they had were uh, one from Solomon Rondon and one from Iosi Perez. Each one was blocked, each one by a different center back, each one from an unlikely position. Uh, the Issa Diop one's been shown all over Instagram and face uh, and Twitter. Sorry, uh, He can't, sort of came back out of nowhere, slammed mm, hard good. into the ball. Oh, it was beautiful. And the second one was Diop. It was almost uh, he committed to the tackle before the shot was off and then as the guy was shooting he just sort of stretched out his toe a little bit further and dinked it right behind and Fabianski's the first one there helping him up slapping him on the head and basically just thanking him for for what he for what he brought there on defense and it's something I don't think you or I would have said but I think there has to be real thought going into if you could drop Angelo Ogbonna right now for Fabian Balbuena coming back what are your thoughts on on that and those defenders uh and their recent play yeah, I never thought that would be a, a question that we would ask because I think we all wanted to get Balbuena back. But yeah, Ogbonna's really kind of come um, back around to the Ogbonna that we've seen, what, two or three years ago, uh, even somewhat last year. But yeah, just really, uh, has really come back into it. I think him and Diop have kind of had a, a solid partnership going on. And, and it would be tough. You know, I think you obviously want to get Balbuena back in there, and I want to see him back in there as well. We got, you know, nine games left. and it's a tough stretch uh, come next month, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know, man, he's playing really good. It would be tough to see that, that kind of, that change and switch happen for me. And what's, what's kind of mirrored in both situations is the beginning of uh, Balbuena and Diop playing together. There was promise, but you, there was a lot of uh, hiccups and and sort of mistakes being made. And then Mm -hmm. with the beginning of Diop and Ogbonna playing together, there was a lot of hiccups and mistakes. No one knew who was taking charge. I think that was sort of the main issue. And, you know, the team sort of stumbled a bit. Now you see, just like you had with Balbuena, Ogbonna and Diop are doing fine together. So it's a good problem to have, and it's great that we have so many healthy players that are challenging for first-team positions right now that uh, you know Pellegrini's 
earning his money basically by his, uh, his team selections each week, which is great to see. Um, as far as the Newcastle game is concerned, were there any final thoughts on the on the match? Is there anything that sort of stood out or any players that stood out that you want to sort of put a circle around? I think it's, it's really good to see Lanzini back, you know, um, not like he had a whole lot going on, but just the, when he has the ball, the way he kind of just his presence out there, you know, he makes things happen, sliding the ball through, passing it back out. Um, and it's not really all in the attacking either. You see him a couple times going back and kind of when there was a lull going back and getting the ball and starting it over again. Um, I thought that was really well. I thought Noble played, uh, really well. Um, you saw him on the attacking presence and on the, on the defending side, but, yeah, I was really impressed with those two for sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think another player uh, who excelled in this match, who didn't get on the score sheet, score score, score sheet rather, was Ryan Fredericks, and he mm-hmm. has been a revelation since coming back. Uh, his speed. It's crazy. You can see him sort of prepare for an intense run because he cocks his shoulders back and sort of gets a different posture about him. And it's usually coming from off screen. So you just see this like meet meet roadrunner come blasting down <laughs> the sideline and Snodgrass yeah. is like, I can't do anything but feed this guy the ball. All and right. he's getting forward into some dangerous spots, but he's also looking really composed as a defender as well. Um, specifically in, in the Man City match, I thought he, he had a really good coming out party because he shut down Leroy Sané for the entirety of his game, which was about 56 minutes, mm-hmm. and uh, made three tackles on him where he had sent him to the ground within the first 15 minutes. They were all legal, no cards, no fouls or anything. Um, and I think that's really important. If you can bring that physicality while also still promising uh, you know, the attacking presence, you're going to be a lot more of a, an asset of a player. And West Ham may actually have a real strong case for a player here. Um, all right, so let's break up the Newcastle look back and the look forward to our next match against Cardiff City with um, some questions and some sort of fan interaction and whatnot, listener interaction, I should say, on Twitter. Um, we're going to sort of start with our uh, our mainstay when it comes to uh, West Ham questions, and that would be at Denver West Ham, which is Scott Davis. Uh, right now, he's, I believe, flying over the United States, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think so, yeah. He's on his way... Uh east coast somewhere and then heading over to london for a couple matches so. yeah so congrats to him on getting over there to see it and hopefully the team shows up for you there um his question via you the proxy was uh, <laughs> if you could watch west ham play one team in the u.s who would it be and i don't know if you had clarification on this is this if you could see them play any other team or if they could play an mls team what was it either or and I don't. I didn't get any clarification on it, to be honest with you. So I think maybe, maybe it's can, how, however we want to work two. it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'll pro- let you go first. Yeah. I'm probably going to say Toronto FC. Then I live really close to uh, BMO Field where they play, and if they could, uh, well, they would also win the game. I think the quality level isn't quite there on across the board in the MLS, uh, despite there being really good players and teams and things going in the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. It would be fun to see West Ham play so close to home. That would be really awesome. Uh, also, I've been begging on Twitter for certain uh, people who have sway within the Toronto uh, Toronto FC organization to sign Andy Carroll when he's out of contract. I think that would be just so perfect. Zlatan's been having a heck of a time over here, so there could really be an option for uh, for Andy Carroll in, in America oh, or Canada. It, it would be awesome. Um, as far as them play another team here, I've never seen them play like a Millwall. I've only ever seen them play one game in person, and that was against West Brom uh, mm-hmm. last January. And uh, that was amazing. They came back in the 94th minute. It was an Andy Carroll brace, actually, ironically, that, that saw the, the game end. And 
so I don't really have like a history of saying like, oh, I've seen them play Tottenham a million times. I'd love to see them play that over here. I don't have that. Right. Um, but I think I would have to say um, I'd want them to play Tottenham just because of the historicness of the rivalry, you know, the, the London teams. But I'm tempted to say play like Man United or something because so many people over here are United fans. And to get like my friends and family members invested in the match on the other yeah. side. And they also know far too much about West Ham just from being around me. Uh, so they would also care about West Ham side of things too. Uh, so it would be fun, I think, to just have that sort of global recognition to it all uh, with a United there. Spurs, ironically, as good as they are and as good as England is, which tends to be the majority of their team, uh, they, they don't seem to have the same pull as a United. So I'm going with the with MLS TFC team, and I'm going to go with uh, United. Yeah, I would have to go kind of the same way you did as, a, as far as MLS team. The local team would be... Colorado Rapids and you know they're like 45 minutes away so it'd be cool to watch them play uh, very similar uh, logos very similar colors yeah um, kind of the same thing and, and you know get them watch them go against old Timmy Howard one more time would be kind of cool uh, I guess kind of the same boat you know the only uh, West Ham games I've ever seen was uh, QPR and Reading so that'll age it a little bit cause oh wow it's been a, a bit since those two were Jeez. you know kind of playing up there uh I shouldn't say age it too much, but anyway, yeah, that was the last time I was ever over there. Hopefully I'll get over there eventually again. But, uh, but yeah, so I think, I think you're right. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of Man U fans, um, in the Denver area. Anyway, there's a lot of Newcastle fans. So last week, if, if I could have, uh, if I could have had the opportunity to go watch, watch the game at a pub down in Denver would have been pretty cool because there's a huge Newcastle following. So that'd be kind of, that'd be kind of cool to get the two of them maybe playing each other, you know, somewhere local here just to have a lot of fan. Kind of the same thing, like you said, the more, you know, the teams that people know over here in the States would be, you know, it'd be it'd be cooler to see a game like that to have more of a following for sure. Yeah, it's growing. You're starting to see more and more people around. I actually saw there's a mall right by me called, uh, the, uh, called Sherway Gardens, and I saw mm-hmm. a guy with uh, a Wes Am shirt on a while back, so that was kind of interesting to see. That's um, cool. Okay, this one comes from, the next question comes from the NoCo Irons, a group I think you associate with on the regular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say, quite simply, Chicharito or Arnie, ready, go. Uh, and I'll let you take the lead on this one. Man, that's that's so tough. And, and I know I don't want to give away too much of an article that I wrote that's uh, coming out pretty soon. But, um, yeah, I think right now I'm going to go with Chicharito. And I think that might, you know, that might bring some booze or that might bring some uh, some debates, but that's fine. I think right now he... He's playing good. He's playing well. We don't really know what's going to happen with Arnie. I mean, if I had to bet, I'm pretty sure he's gone in the summer. Um, not that he's not great and doesn't come on. Um, you know, bring him on the 70th minute, let him play. But right now, the way things are going, you know, why screw up a, something that's working? So I'd go with Chicha. I think that makes complete logical sense. And you'll see, I, I have an article coming up on GreenStreetHammers.com tomorrow that says basically the same thing. Chicharito has spoiled any sort of return Arnautovic could have to mm-hmm. West Ham. But at some point, and maybe this is the Dave Walker approach to things as well, who's who's very much uh, in the boat of play play Arnautovic because he's a better player. doesn't matter the form they're in. He's a better player. It could be a, a point of you're going to start losing interest and potential money when it comes to selling Arnautovic if he's de- destined to go uh, in the summer if you don't get him in the game and scoring goals, right? If he, if he finishes right. the season as a 70th-minute sub – no one's going to be paying 40 million pounds for that, right? The only thing you right. can say is maybe is you're preserving his health a little bit. He's still the same player, blah, blah, blah. But 
He's a player who thrives off goals. And ironically, we've doubled up our total of penalties, which he had the uh, rights to this season since he's been on the bench uh, yeah. than when he was starting. So it's it's interesting to see to see where the fan base is on it. I know it's a pretty uh, polarizing question and a pretty solid split between everyone. But, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how Pellegrini goes moving forward. But right now, I don't think he can really drop Chicharito. He's been too consistent and too good, and he's been impacting the game. The headed hand goal that he had a mm-hmm. week ago, and now he had the uh, the assist via drawn penalty on, on Mark Noble's goal. So, yeah, there's no reason you would drop Chicharito right now, I don't think. Yeah, and it's it's not like Arnie's not he's not you know being lackluster. I mean, he was in the game for what it seemed like maybe ten seconds, and he almost I mean he almost got a shot on net just this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's still in it, he's still in the mix. But just the way that uh, Chicharito's playing right now, it'd be hard. It's hard for me to not. And you know, with that, there could be potential that he stays. And at least this debate has you know solid world class type players on it. You know, a couple of years ago, we'd be debating if. It was between like what Zarate and like Maega or... or somebody. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Different. Different names. Different levels. It really seems yeah. like. Uh, I think we both are on the same page though. If you, if he's playing well and scoring, you might as well uh, leave it to Chicharito. Yeah. Um, all right. We're gonna flesh out this this section here with a look at some uh, Hammers polls at Hammers polls questions. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of have a, a pretty solid pulse on the West Ham world, just based off of. Uh, weighing some opinions around. I'm going to vote on one right now. I just did. Um, <laughs> so the first question is, would you rather a seventh place finish and qualify for Europe or eighth place and have another season to progress without the quote-unquote distraction of European football? Oof. Well, we've, we've seen that uh, kind of screw us, right, two years in a row. And uh, we've seen what it did to Burnley this year. Um, it's, But I do think it'd be crazy for me to say that I wouldn't want European football. So I'm not going to say that. Because I think that would—I mean—it would just be crazy for me to say that. But I do think if we have a squad depth, or even kind of where we're at now, we're a lot deeper than we were those two years when we were in the qualifying rounds. Um, so yeah, I would take seventh and and have a crack at it. I don't know. Hopefully, there's a team doesn't come by like Astra Gugu or whatever they were called. That uh, <laughs> the that Turkish farmers, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever they were. Yeah, but uh, oh, that was embarrassing. But but yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah, it'd be crazy for me to say that I wouldn't want seventh and, and have a crack at, at getting in, you know, getting through the qualifying stages and getting into the Europa League. I think the fact that uh, that this is even a question shows the sort of sensibility and trust people have in Pellegrini. Um, mm-hmm. Because actually, let me look at this polls question. Um, I voted for seventh in Europe. I think anytime you can get into Europe, it helps with the pedigree of your club. If you start winning games, all of a sudden your team looks like a place players want to come play um you always see you know players that are leaving teams like oh i want to go play in your in european competition champions league they don't specifically say europa league but it's european competition there's always that press for for the next level and i think you're going to be able to entice more higher quality players to come to a team that's qualifying for europe but if they can do it consistently as well and you're also going to see players like felipe anderson not taking i mean he still may use this club as a stepping stool in the end mm-hmm. but he's not going to be it's not going to be a one step and gone it's going to be a play out a couple seasons here you know see see what happens and then maybe go back to italy or or something and end his career so if you can give players the hopes of that you have a better a better hope but or you have a better sort of outset to getting higher quality players to come to your team 
I just think, uh, I know X had confirmed on uh, the West Ham Way podcast weeks prior that a lot of the war chest this season will be uh, made from selling players in the offseason with a little bit of a supplemental splash from the team. If they make Europe, I think that goes out the window. Um, it was a three-year plan to get them to Europe. If at the end of season one they're there, you're going to have to change some things and reinvest. And right. the fact that you're investing in players like uh, Issa Diop, who's 21 years old, now you don't have to go out and find the next year another cornerstone center back because you can mix in Fabian Balbuena, Winston Reed if he's if he's still fit. If you still have Ogbonna, possibly him, although I doubt he stays. Um, you, you're looking for bit pieces after that. I think this this next season we're looking for that next level midfielder to play alongside Declan Rice. We thought it was going to be Jack Wilshire, but we didn't end up having to pay through the nose for that signing uh, up front on weekly wages is a different thing. But we also still have them on the team, so that could still end up being beneficial to West Ham. Um, you know, the, the striker situation, as we had kind of touched on, is a bit touchy right now. But uh, to say touch too many times in one sentence is a bit touchy. And... Uh, <laughs> You don't know how that's going to play out. If you need to find a Maxi Gomez, a Piatek, a Zapata, someone that's going to cost £40 million, you never know. Um, But for right now, the team's in a good position, and I think they can force the hand of the ownership and the board of reinvesting if they get to that next level. But you have to earn that. No, for sure. And, you know, to get another place higher up in the table, that's just more uh, of what is the TV money or the TV deals that come through. So. There's just a, a lot that comes through that. I mean, money-wise, uh, notoriety-wise. I mean, there's even players on the team that we never would have got if we hadn't been, you know, in the qualifiers in years past. So to think that, you know, I, yeah, I would shoot for it. Good, yeah, definitely, definitely a good question, though. And there is there is that fear because you saw what happened to us two years in a row and, and a, a solid Burnley club that just took it out of them this year. So. And that's a team that didn't have a lot of uh, investment in it, right? Like they didn't right. they didn't spend a ton. And it's still a team, as impressive as it is, uh, a team that's predominantly almost, I think almost 80% of that team is of English descent. They're all English players. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's crazy that you can get to that next level with an almost completely domestic team. I mean, you have people like Goodmanson and I think Vokes is a, is a, um, is a Welshman, but... Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it may be, uh, that team's pretty impressive to even get there in the first place. They had a great season, uh, but when it comes down to it, it took it, it took out, it took it out of them. And I think mm-hmm. West Ham and Pellegrini, Pellegrini, first of all, has the the pedigree of being there before, so he knows the the strain it takes on a team and, and sort of the the intricacies of playing European football, balancing the team. And he's done a good job this year, even with just the domestic cups, of balancing out the team, mixing in youth where he can, but also not leaving the bench shortchanged. So if you need to make a change at 45 minutes, you can come in and and sort of alter the game a little bit. Um, that's that's useful information, and that also goes back. Sorry, I'm rambling here, but uh, there was a, an article that came out. I can't remember who it's from. I, I apologize for not having credit, but um, it was on, uh, it may have been Football London, Sam Ingersoll's contribution to the West Ham site there uh, about Mark, uh, Mario Husilio's being quiet and not knowing who he is, but Pellegrini raves about him. Uh, if you have someone who has their ear to the ground like him, you can find the Fabian Balbuenas and if, if you pay four million pounds for th- uh, each for three different players and you spend 12 million pounds and they each have an impact the same way Fabian Balbuena has on this season, that's 12 million pounds and you've drastically changed the performance level of your squad. So having people like Husilios who know different players, know where to find your bargains, know where to, to spend big. Again, Issa Diop was at the time the transfer budget uh, record for West Ham, mm-hmm. but that looks like you know pennies compared to what he's worth now. So... 
it, there's a lot of things to be excited about, and I think the prospect of European football excites me even further because I don't know what to expect anymore. I didn't expect them to spend a hundred million pounds this this last window, and it gets me excited thinking about the next level. Yeah, and you're right. You're talking about Husilios, you know, I mean, he's going to strike out. He struck out on you know Lucas Perez, and he struck out on you know Jack Wilshire, but. I mean, you when you look at Fabianski, what a steal! Balbuena, steal! Diop, um, 40, Sanchez at 40, the time. Sanchez at the time, you know, uh, and Yarmolenko. We always forget about him, but you know, he's going to come back, and he's still, he's a he. I mean, you can put the world class label kind of next to him because you know he does play for club and country, and uh, he's going to come back, and that's going to be another piece that we can fill, and um, and and yeah. So I mean, you're going to strike out, but I definitely think this year, this past year, we. We hit more home runs, uh, baseball term, than uh, anything else. And I, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm excited just like you. I'm, I'm like a, a little kid kind of just excited waiting for the summer transfer window just to see what happens. And if you're striking out on a five million pound fourth choice right. striker, that's something right. I think we can all live with, right? Yeah, for sure. We don't want to strike out on some other things that we have in the past. So Yeah, exactly. We'll some game it. changers. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, let me have another look here at our good friends at Hammers Pull for another question. Uh, this is a good one here, and it maybe is one we can end on or, or sort of wind down to because um, it's a little more in-depth. Uh, the question is, these are West Ham's remaining fixtures. Cardiff away, Huddersfield home, Everton home, Chelsea away, Man United away, Leicester home, Spurs away, Southampton home, and Watford away. What do you think Pellegrini's men can get? Sorry, do you think Pellegrini's men can get to that seventh position? Um, if you are into the nitty gritty stats, and you're also into just having things spelt out for you, because that's really my bag of just having people uh, tell me exactly all the information I need to know. Um, I apologize for the sniffling again. Uh, then go to GreenStreetHammers.com and look at the in-depth work Scott uh, did to. To make this article, it is unbelievable. Him and his pal uh, had put together a pretty ridiculous uh, amalgamation of stats and statistics and simulations of where West Ham need to win and lose to play out and make that seventh spot with other teams. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, it, it's really in depth and it's really strong. Um, I'll take the lead on this one here. Uh, I'm going to say Cardiff three points, Huddersfield three points, Everton three points, Chelsea one point, United. Uh, one point, Leicester, three points. Wait, I'm doing this all wrong. Three, six, nine, <laughs> ten, eleven, fourteen. Spurs, I say we lose. Southampton home, I say we win, so that's 17. Watford away, I say we draw 18 points, which would okay. be pretty remarkable out of that stretch of games, but I think that gets you seventh position. So I would say yes, and I just voted. 68% agree with me. Um, I just think that there's too many... Home fixtures left, one, two, three, four, and they're against Huddersfield, Everton, Leicester, and Southampton, games where home can really change your your presence. Um, mm-hmm. Away, you're going to Cardiff, uh, you're going to Chelsea, you're going to Man United, Spurs, and Watford. Like, like Chelsea, Man United, Spurs can all beat you on your day in your home just mm-hmm. by the quality of players they have. Sure, home helps in some of those games, but... They, it can push you over the edge when it comes to teams like Huddersfield or Leicester or Southampton. So I think it's it's weird to say you, you want to play those games away to end the season, but situationally, West Ham could be in an all right spot here. We could, and I was looking through it too. Um, and yeah, you're right. What a great article that was by Scott. Another Scott, and I know we already mentioned Scott Davis. He's been doing a couple. You see a couple different Excel sheets he put out there. 
um, he must be kind of into the same thing, which is uh, it's fun because I'm the same way. I, I like all the algorithms and things like that, but I'd rather just look at it and then have somebody else do the work for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, looking at it, you know, I think these next three games with Cardiff, Huddersfield, and Everton, um, hope. I mean, we could easily get nine out of that. I would think and hope to at least get seven. Uh, maybe have a draw somewhere, um, but definitely Carter. Look, if we if we can't get six from the next two games, then I mean we won't even be talking about this, right? It'll be, it'll so, be points dropped, right? Yeah, yeah, it'll be points dropped. But I think out of those, if we can get at least seven out of those first three, somewhere between Chelsea, Man United, Leicester, and Tottenham, um, like you said, those those three, three of those four, you know, they could easily easily beat us no matter what you know if we can somehow have a little west Ham magic and pull out a win out of the one of those three and and probably either either draw or win against Leicester depends on how motivated and how how much of this form we stay and I think we can finish strong with beating both Watford and Southampton um I think so I know I kind of looked at this before I think if we can get definitely if we get 17 plus I think we'll be up in up in that range I think anywhere Really, anywhere between, I think, worst-case scenario, maybe 12 points. Uh, if we can get anything around 15 to 17, that would be probably enough because Wolves and Watford still have to play each other. Um, Everton, I know they still have to play. I think Wool. trying to look through, sorry, as we're talking about it. but <laughs> That's um, Yeah, no, and, you know, the thing is, too, that Watford and Wolves, they have to play. I think Watford has to play Man City this week, and uh, Wolves end with Liverpool. So, um, and they also, I think, just categorically, I think Watford has the hardest season left to play out of any team. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's going to be some stress on them. And as well, Scott brought up um, lengthy cup runs. Both of them are still in uh, the FA Cup. So, true. Which, true. What becomes a priority then? You know, you never, right. you never know where that emphasis is going to go. Yeah, and you know, I mean, like I said, if, I think if we do lose one of these next two games, though, I mean, then. Not that it's like all gone, but there's going to be a lot of. It's a tougher hill to climb, for sure, because we're definitely going to have to win some of those games, like a Spurs or or the Chelsea or the Man United, which we already did, you know, with Man United. But um, they are uh, they're looking a, a lot different class right now than they have. So that's true. And if they, I mean, I'm I'm kind of I've got on the side here them playing PSG in Champions mm-hmm. League right now. It's it's close. They're one goal away from tying it on aggregate, but. Um, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of different factors that go into this. I think something that's important too is uh, a Leicester City is not going to get relegated and they're not going to make Europe. So what are they playing for in the fourth mm-hmm. last game of the season? If you have West Ham, that's for once looking in front of them and looking up the table and trying to scra- you know, grab any points they can, scrap, claw all the way up to the top. Mm-hmm. That's a motivated team. And I, and I like Pellegrini lighting that fire under, under his team or being the guy behind all of that. Mm-hmm. So... It'll be interesting to see that Watford game at the end of the season could be absolutely massive to see how this this season plays out. So uh, it'll be a heck of a ride to sort of buckle up and into there. Yeah, it's exciting. We've got nine games left, and then, you know, uh, we're still in it, and we're still excited. We're not, it's like I said, not like last year. We were like, man, are we going to get relegated? Like, are we going to be in the championship and lose all of these players? So luckily, it's a much, it's night and day from last season. All right, I think you had you had a question you wanted to to borrow, we'll call it from uh, from the American <laughs> West End podcast, right? Yeah, I want to steal a little uh, little something from our uh, North American brethren, I guess, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah, they had uh, somebody, you know, I can't remember who asked them the question on their podcast earlier, but it was who was your favorite, uh, I guess, celebrity that was a West Ham fan? And I know um, 
off the top of my head, I didn't know too many. You know, I knew about the uh, the James Cordons and the uh, Russell Brands, and um, supposedly, you know, I'd heard rumor that the Queen herself uh, was a was a Hammers fan. I knew she um, was a classy lady. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, but yeah, I don't know. I know you. Did you have a list? You were going to pull up a list and uh, rattle off some names. You did say Kieran Nightingly, and that um, she might be my new favorite. We got Ray West Winstone, Russell Brand. I don't know who Phil Jupitus is. He's in there. Chris Akabusi, Alfred Hitchcock, Danny Dyer, Lennox Lewis, Steve Harris, uh, who's from Iron Maiden. I think – I don't think it's close. It's got to be Mia Khalifa. She's got my vote. Oh, she's yeah. She's such a convincing actress. Her. You know, she, uh, <laughs> she she's top-notch in her field. I think, you know, she really is, is tuned in to what it's like to be a West Ham fan. Yeah, no, I, I think between that and uh, hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this or uh, I'll be uh, hanging out on the couch. But uh, but yeah, between yeah, definitely. Uh, I think she might be more of a newer West Ham fan. But uh, yeah, I like I like your words there with uh, a class act, so to speak. Um, yeah, she fits right in. She fits the mold. If we're going with like influence, not influence on your life, but like notability on your life, uh, yeah. I'll sadly push her to the side and I'll say James Corden. Um, he's done a very solid job kind of bridging the gap of late night shows that are lighthearted, uh, and funny, but also bringing sort of that, that British humor with him as well. I know he's not as dry as, uh, as you know, a Steve Coogan, but, uh, he, he brings a, a little bit of that b- British class to late night American television. And also if you watched the carpool karaoke with, uh, Paul McCartney, and you didn't at one point in time or 10 have tears in your eyes when uh, he's talking to, to James Corden, I think you're probably – got to check some things out in your life there because that was pretty pretty well done. But uh, who, who's yours, uh, porn stars aside, who's your uh, favorite <laughs> fan? I think um, – man, that's tough. You know, Ray Winston I like a lot. You know, he was in the uh, – he was in the Iron Man documentary that they did on the last season at the Bowling mm-hmm. Ground. Um, he – a lot of good movies he's in that I like. I mean, not always a, a big actor, but the Departed. I think, I mean, uh, come on, Departed. <laughs> yes, that's true. I forgot about that. One person you didn't mention, and uh, I didn't know this until I actually listened to the podcast earlier, but former President of the United States Barack Obama was oh, Barry uh, is, O. Barry O is supposedly a Hammers fan, so I know. And part of their question was like, who maybe changes your uh, opinion of him because of that? And, and if he is, I think definitely I'd, I'd have to have a little more love for Barry O. But I think, um, but but politics aside uh, and all of that fun stuff, um, I think probably I would have to go with James Corden, just like you said, just because he, man, he he's funny. Um, he when he was on the uh, Men in Blazers show, I don't know if you've seen that when he was kind of urging. This is a while back, but urging Americans to follow West Ham and just just listening. <laughs> I, I to did his see that. I did and, see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's he's funny, man. And uh, so I think we definitely – there's a lot more followers out there than I thought. Um, thankfully for the old Google machine to let us know that. But, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely – I think maybe James or, or maybe Barrio. We'll throw that in there too. Yeah, I, I don't think we can go wrong on that. Um, now, Jeremiah, to finish up our uh, discussion here today, let's have a look ahead to our – uh, to our upcoming match, and that is a visit to the beautiful country of Wales, and we're going to Cardiff City here. Um, some, I don't want to say breaking news to sound insensitive, but some news today that came out. Uh, they're sort of heart of their defensive line. Uh, Sol Bamba is out for the rest of the season with a ruptured Achilles, 
And that is no good for them. He is – I had to look up his age because there's no way I could figure a guy in his mid-30s is having that much of an impact on a team uh, and and sort of rocketing them out of the relegation zone. I think with his solid play, he's he's contributed well to that. But Mm -hmm. uh, there you have it. Yeah, Sol Bamba out for the season. I think it – it puts a game that was already in uh, already in West Ham's favor even more so there. Yeah, I uh, I don't want to jinx it by saying it's like a guaranteed win because then you know something crazy will happen. Uh, the West Ham way will show up, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that the form that we're in right now and Pellegrini's got everybody kind of on that mindset of just uh, and you can even hear even after the loss, the Man City loss, you know, players were they were okay with the performance they had they had a good performance that game um and uh but you could just tell even just the way they talk you know we want to push and we want to try to get up as high up the table we can so the fact that they have that drive to kind of get there even if we don't finish seventh but still just having that that drive to get as high up as they can they're going to be coming in all cylinders um it's easy to play down on a game like this and away from home and pretty far away from home too um but uh but yeah, I, I think it uh, it'll be very easy. I want to say maybe two nil, uh, maybe three nil if things get a little crazy. But uh, but yeah, with Bamba out and um, Cardiff's just kind of been. I mean, they're right there. They kind of they they had a you know they had a surge the last probably month a little bit. They looked good. They had some good games, but. I think with him just coming out, it's, it's just going to kind of put the nail in the coffin for him. Yeah, and uh, if there's any uh, obscene noises coming through my mic on the other side, I have a Manchester United fan in our house, and they've just been oh, awarded no. a penalty and extra time to tie up the score on aggregate. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so uh, there you have it. But So I just wanted to look at the table here, and I think you're right. That surge from them has been kind of exceptional. Um, that being said, it's hard to surge this late in the season in a race of minus 32 goal differential, and right now they do sit in that relegation spot. Yeah. Um, they're as motivated as West Ham are to get out of that spot. I don't know if I see it happening for them. Um, but, you know, Cardiff, they're a scrappy side. They have a lot of motivation with uh, with the tragedy that, that happened with their team this season, so I think you're, you're going to see a team that looks um, like they're ready to play, and, and regardless of the team and the and – the, uh, the, p- the players they have out on the pitch, they tend to play as a unit. Neil Warnock, as much as Scott hates them, uh, <laughs> is a good football manager, right? He is, you know, and it, it's unfortunate, you know, that when you look at them and the likes of a couple of the other teams besides Wolves, so them and Fulham are just kind of teetering right around the bottom there. You know, you like to see teams, I like to see teams anyway, come up from the championship and perform well. And, um, you know, he, as like you said, as much as Scott doesn't like him, um, he's a solid manager. Uh, they just had, you know, Cardiff didn't have a lot going for them. You know, they played well, uh, you know, getting that automatic bid to come up to promotion last year, but you just haven't seen much. And then obviously when tragedy struck like that and, and everything else, they did perform. But, but yeah, I just don't see a whole lot of light at the end of the tunnel for them. Yeah, I find it uh, hard to, to disagree with you there. Um, normally we would sort of do a, a combined 11 here to, to sort of match up the teams, but I think... Um, we're getting late enough into the season with teams sort of sitting around in different positions uh, that we can sort of do like a relegation checkup here. So let's mm-hmm. say, uh, oh, for your records, uh, Marcus Rashford just scored the penalty to, to tie the game. Uh, so we're going to extra time in the Champions League. This is all over and, and whenever anyone's listening to this. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so let's look at the team here. We'll go through and we'll see if there's any players that we would take. Um, we'll start from the back and move forward. 
Uh, for me, Neil Etheridge is an unbelievable keeper. I don't think he would go cheap, but if West Ham were looking for someone to sort of bridge that gap between Fabianski and, and uh, Nathan Trott, who congratulations to him for signing a, a contract with West Ham again, uh, I think Etheridge could be a really good pick for that. Uh, do you do you see? I would say Alex Smithies and Brian Murphy as well, but I don't think they stand a chance to get picked up if you didn't think Etheridge did. So um, any thoughts on him or if you would look at, would you, would you prioritize here or look elsewhere for a, another backup keeper after Adrian heads out this season? Um, I, I think you might have to, uh, just depends on Trot. And then even, I don't want to butcher up his name is Anang, Anang, uh, the other goalkeeper, mm-hmm. the Ghanaian goalkeeper that we have. Uh, so some good youth. There's some, definitely some good youth. Uh, but I think, you know, I mean, you don't want the worst to happen to Fabianski to get hurt or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I think maybe bridging the gap. Maybe look elsewhere. There is going to be some other solid keepers that are still out there. I know a name. This dude's in the championship and doesn't look like Stoke is going to be uh, coming up anytime soon. But, you know, Jack Butlin's flying around still. Yeah, I think um, that's a, a massive oversight if no one's looking at him. Yeah, but, you know, he's going to be a pretty penny too because they're not going to just let him go. Um, but you know, who wants to just hang out and sit in the championship forever when you're that kind of caliber of a player. Exactly. So, but you know, he, but Neil Etheridge is good. He is a really good goalkeeper for that squad. And, um, he's kept him in a lot of games and kept games closer than, you know, they probably should have been, um, this past season. But, but yeah, I think if anybody, it is going to be him. I don't think there'd be anybody else really. And let's look ahead at their defense here. Uh, I'm just going to say some names. If you see anyone or hear any names that stand out for West Ham to look into, let me know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Peltier, Joe Bennett, Sean Morrison, their captain, Bruno Ekule Manga, Jazz Richards, Callum Patterson, Greg Cunningham, and Sol Bamba. Any names stick out there as a potential third or second uh, place center back? No, no, yeah, uh, yeah, no. I can't really think of anything. <laughs> I, I can't say I disagree with you. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, better options I think you could find out there, especially if this team's going to have more of a, a Latin flair to it with uh, Pellegrini. Mm-hmm. Never know. Um, okay, let's look at the midfielders here. Harry Arder's on the list. He's on loan. I don't know if anyone else is on this team. Fair fair note. I don't think Omar Nias is from Everton, but uh, Harry Arder, Joe Rawls, Josh Murphy, Aaron Gunnarsson. Victor Camarasa, Kadim Harris, Leandro Bakuna, Junior Hoylet, uh, Nathaniel Mendez Liang. Maybe Arter, but like you said, he's on loan. Uh, maybe we bring a little, uh, isn't uh, Junior Hoylet Canadian? We bring a little I, Canadian that, flair. Was, I had him circled, man. That was my guy. <laughs> he's hit some bangers this season for, for Cardiff, he too. Has. Yeah, he he has. Maybe, you know, throw him in there. Uh, you know, why not? Maybe if we get seventh, we're going to need some depth anyway. Um, did you? Can you run through that list one more time? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, I was uh, trying to catch all the names. Me, uh, I'll just go last names here. That may be yeah. easier. Uh, Mendez Lang, Bakuna, Harris, Camarasa, Gunnarsson, Murphy, and Rawls. Uh, Bakuna? I don't know. I don't really mind him so much. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know a whole lot about Cardiff. Uh, yep. That's Other fair. than less, if we're going to be playing like FIFA or something like that, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Bakuna's not. You know, maybe that's someone we could add and uh, have sort of some solid depth because you just don't know. We don't know who we're going to get rid of. There's going to be a whole lot of people going away this year if we're going to end up keeping a lot of players. Yeah, I think a name to look for in my eyes too is Joe Rawls. I think he may be someone uh, who is worth a look at. Same with Aaron Gunnarsson. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they've they've uh, other names that stick out to me. And honestly, I'm going off of if their name stuck out to me, they must have done something right. playing at Cardiff yeah. uh, to to do that. So Junior Hoylet's my first my first pick there. Um, uh, we'll go into the forwards here. We know we know that we're probably going to be looking for upwards of three forwards mm-hmm. for this club. Uh, so we're gonna go. We're gonna start with Bobby de Cordova Reed, uh, Danny Ward, Kenneth Zahore, Umar Nias, and Reese Healy. Mm. I think I'm gonna look elsewhere, but uh, <laughs> I don't. <know. laughs> I don't blame uh, you. Yeah, I don't. None, none of those really just pop out, you know. And that was a crazy thing. I remember last year at the end of the season looking at. Once Cardiff had gotten, you know, the, into the second spot and they were into the automatic promotion, I'd like go back and look at their roster and just kind of see who they had. And I, was, I was honestly shocked that they performed that well to get up past some of the other teams. Because when you looked at the four teams that were in the in the playoffs, what you had? You had Aston Villa, you had Derby, um, Fulham, and then Wolves. was it uh, Wolves? Oh, Wolves, then, Wolves got automatic Wolves, promotion. Sorry, was it Middle Middlesbrough? Were they the other one? Uh, I, I can't even remember now. Can't remember. But but the, yeah, out of those four squads, I was like, they are, you know, statistically wise, player wise, they they were all more solidly and rounded teams. But but yeah, so kudos to them for getting to where they had, getting back up to the Premier League. But but yeah, I don't. There wouldn't be a lot of players that I would want um, that to put on our team. I, w- I would look elsewhere for sure. So the way I'm looking at this here, Bobby Reed's the one name I could see <laughs> as potentially. Um, he, he's got, uh, you know, transfer market has like the comparable players section. Um, they have Alex Pritchard who's on Huddersfield, who I think is a good player. Um, he, they picked him up last season, 25 years old, Bobby Reed's 26, uh, has four goals two assists this season with a team that's been challenged with scoring. Uh, and Bradley Dack, the name that we had been linked to as a left back, who's now playing attacking midfielder for Blackburn. Mm -hmm. Um, he's 25 English. All three of these names are English. So. I think if you're going to go for Bobby Reed, you might as well go for someone else like Bradley Dack that, you know, you, you, you know that there could be some more upside to having him. But I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'm going to dip in, into the Cardiff City transfer bin for any sort of uh, discounted strikers. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, sorry, no, go sorry, ahead. No, I was going to say they're going to have to be careful, too, um, if they if they do fall in the relegation zone to go back to the champions uh, championship because that's, uh, that's a tough division to be in. So, yeah. Um, Hopefully, you know, I always, like I said before, I like to see these teams come up uh, from the championship and stay a year or two, like your Bournemouth and your your Brightons. Uh, uh, you've seen more, you know, Huddersfield, obviously, this year is not going to, it's not going to pan out for them. But, uh, but yeah, it was good to see those teams kind of come up. And, and the way Wolves have performed this oh. year is, uh, it's, which we kind of, I kind of thought just because of the squad that they had and the squad that they kind of acquired over the window, too. But, yeah, you know, um, I'm, you know, being in, you know, being here in America, we're huge on dynasties, right? We like, uh, we like our dynasties and our, our kind of underdog stories. So it's always kind of neat to see that. But yeah, I just don't see a whole lot going for Cardiff the rest of the season. And uh, hopefully, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but but good luck to them. So all right, let's not, fin- this, not this week. Yeah, let's finish with some score <laughs> predictions here. We're gonna have a piece out like we always do with Manchester. You uh, with uh, sorry with West Ham United. So I'm looking at Manchester right now. Uh, we're going to have a piece out with our predictions for scores, but we're just going to give you some some blatant scores here, no justification or anything. Uh, and uh, I'll start. I'm going to say 3-0 West Ham. I don't think you're going to see Cardiff get much going offensively in this game, and I do think you're going to see that hungry, hungry West Ham team take over. Uh, I, w- I, would, I would love to see what you, uh, what you think here. 
Man, you know, I was going to go 3-0 as well, but I don't want to uh, to bore the listeners on that. So I'm going to go a little crazy here. I'm going to go a little 4-0 action. Oh, wow. I think that uh, I think they're going to come out flying and uh, and just kind of uh, clicking on all cylinders. Something's crazy is going to happen. Like Lanzini's going to get his goal. There we and go. Then, and then all of a sudden, you know, the just the wheels fall off and for Cardiff and everything just goes right for us. So there we go. Well, well, I don't think there's anything better we could say to end that. And uh, as far as uh, the upcoming match goes, let's go West Ham. Come on, you Irons. Good luck. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, come on, you Irons. the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done